sin and commit evil deeds, and none of them does what is right. The Lord looks down from heaven at the human race to see if there is anyone who is wise and seeks God. Everyone has rejected God, and they are all morally corrupt. None of them does what is right, not even one. All those who hate wickedly do not understand, and those who devour my people as if they were eating bread, and do not call out to the Lord. They're absolutely terrified, for God defends the God. He wants to humiliate the oppressed, even though the Lord is their shelter. I wish the deliverance of Israel would come from Zion. When the Lord restores the well-being of his people, may Jacob rejoice. And may Israel be happy. Amen.
Reflecting the light of you Make us the moves, God Reflecting 
17, but you, Jeremiah, get yourself ready and go and tell these people everything that I instruct you to say. And do not be terrified of them. Or I will give you good reason to be terrified of them. I, the Lord, hear my promise to make you in this city as strong as a fortified city and an iron pillar and a bronze wall. You will be able to stand up against all who live in the land, including the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and all the people of the land. And they will attack you, but they will not be able to overcome you. Man. For I am with you, says the Lord, Man. to rescue you.
upon its showers to fall on your chosen people. When they are tired, you sustain them. For you live among them. You sustain their press when you can bless these on God. The Lord speaks. Many, many women, they spread the good news. Kings leading armies run away, they run away.
Thank you, Lord. Let's um, take up our offering this morning, and we got we got some ground to cover today. Lord, we just thank you this morning for the opportunity to give and just bless your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Bless you with you. So uh, I, I want to lay out a loose framework that was introduced to me 
uh, a number of years ago, and I, I believe it was uh, Daisy Smith in 2011, uh, comes into uh, MZ Hoffman. We were first meeting there at 7 8 in Venice, Arden. And, uh, I had just received from the Lord um, the Bird Frankie's book. Is that right? You had heard of Frankie. Anybody else in here heard of uh, the Bird Frankie? Uh, Frankie. Frankie wrote a book uh, called Ultimate Intention. Uh, he wrote some other works, but Frankie uh, was someone who the Lord introduced to me because I was going about the business of reading a lot of work uh, because I was in seminary at the time and I was just devouring all kinds of, uh, of different literature and trying to just seek the Lord. And the Lord says, stop doing that and I'll bring you the works that I want you to look at. And Frankie's Ultimate Intention was one of those works. <clears throat> And it really impacted me personally because Frumke, what happened to Frumke was he was an amazing Bible teacher and, and, uh, and the Lord was using him in a powerful way in like the old camp style uh, teaching. And he says to the Lord, like, I want to go deeper with you. And maybe part of the deeper life or the, I don't know, is it part of the, the holiness movement and the Keswick movement? If you are familiar with that, but Frankie had said, I want to go deep on this. And the next thing that happens to him is his whole campground where he holds all these meetings and hosts them is burned to the ground. <laughs> and I want to go deep with you, Lord. The next thing you know, you don't have anything. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it happened. And I just want to suggest if you ever say to the Lord, I really want to go all the way with you. Warning! <laughs> Um, this happened also to D.L. Moody. Remember Moody? and uh, he, He's the one who basically came up with the Sunday School program in, um, in Chicago. And Moody's running, uh, you know, 500 children through the Sunday School program. And God's really moving among these families and children. And there was these two little ladies that came into Moody's uh, uh, meeting and said, uh, we're praying for you and you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. And Moody said, stop praying for me and pray for all these kids. Because this city, the kids need to pray. I'm not the one that needs prayer. And these two ladies said, no, we're praying for you. Yeah. Uh, because God had his hand on Moody and like he did on front. And the Lord was wanting to do something with that guy. And, and the same thing, remember the great Chicago fire? And you know, you would think, like, that is not a good way to get something done. If you want to get something done, you build more. You get more people together, you gather bigger audiences. You don't keep shrinking the thing down and bringing it to the edge and putting fire on it. And so Moody was kind of really upset because he lost his buildings and that. He's up in um, New York City on Wall Street trying to raise money to reboot his ministry. He's out of resources and everything, and all of a sudden, when he's walking down Wall Street, the fire of God hits him. And they, they tell the story like this, and I wrote this paper, or this paper in seminary because I was so impacted by Moody and Edwards and was, these kind of guys, and, and I was in uh, Whitfield, and, you know, and, and, and he, he said that such love came to him. He goes off into a friend's house, because this love of God hits Moody with such a fierceness, like the same thing that'll hit Frankie. And he says these famous words, stay in your hand, O God. Because he said the love was moving through him with such power he couldn't handle it. 
interestingly enough, after that event with Franke, with Moody, Franke's situation was different than Moody's. Moody, I believe he goes over to England and he begins to preach and 20,000 are converting instantly. And he goes from this Chicago preacher to there and there's this transition. Then I believe that if you'll study uh, Christian history, you'll see that when God begins to mark out a people, and he says, I'm going to get them all the way. That he, and they say, I'm going to go all the way with you, Lord. And I believe I'm in a room with the people like this. And say, I want everything you have. That the Lord, he has a way of doing this. And he will bring you to the end of everything you can do. And many believers, I think, they hedge. I was uh, joking with Tom and Jenny this week. I think I mentioned it last week. You get a hedge fund manager. Y'all know what a hedge fund manager is? Well, they're, they're able to take resources and work them in a way they can make money off of hedging. And it's like we come up to that hedge and the Lord says, jump! You know, don't hedge it. Don't hedge with me. Uh, Numbers chapter 10. Moses, God's leader for Israel, he's been trained by the Lord. And I and, and you some of you didn't hear this, but I want to spring it out. Uh, Numbers 10, 29. And Moses says to Hobab, son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. This would be Moses' brother-in-law, um, Hobab. Hobab. He says, I hope that we're journeying to this place about which the Lord says, I'll give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things for Israel. The Hobab said to him, Hobab said to him, I will not go, but I will go instead to my own land, into my own kindred. And Moses said, please don't leave us. I need a God. I need someone that can kind of help me out in this environment that's out here. I don't really know how to get over there to Zion. Yeah. I'm leaving Sinai and I need to go to Zion, but I need someone to help me out with this. And I feel like that, Hobab, you've been in this land because your daddy's been in this land and you guys kind of know the lay of the land and you understand the things and what's really going on. And if you just help us out here, uh, I promise we'll be good to you, we'll welcome you, we'll take care of your family. Because God gave us a promise. I have a promise of an inheritance and I need some help to get there. Just please come with us. I'm certain whatever good things he does for us, he'll do it for you too. Any of you ever try to cut a deal? Anybody ever heard the art of the deal? We had a president that, that was his like wheelhouse. He knows how to cut a deal, right? It's interesting about God. It's an interesting thing about the Lord. He's not into us cutting deals. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned about him, you know, like if I can work this angle, he's like, if I can just work this thing, I can get this resource, I can make this happen. I'll just, um, 
I'll work this thing around this way, go this way, and I'll do this or I'll do that. I can cut some kind of thing and then I'll be able to make it through this uh, journey that I'm on. And the Lord, the Lord would even allow somebody in your life sometimes that seems like they got what you need and then they say no. Or they end up not being the thing that you think you need. Yeah, anybody in here? Has this happened to anybody? Like that you're thinking in your mind that something else is going to be your source. Mm -hmm. I need another source to help hold me up because I've been, I'm being pushed out into a nowhere man's land and I don't know how to get there. If I just had a guide, if I just had another source, if I just had to know how to handle it, if I just knew how to cut a deal, yeah. does this sound like the world? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the world is replete with this. Sign up with this, <laughs> and you'll make your millions. Uh, do these 14 things, and your business will come off the ground. Um, we've done this in preaching. Uh, I give you three points about how to discipline yourself, and if you'll do those three disciplines, you'll somehow be successful. You know what the word says to all that? So what? <laughs> we'll get into that here in a minute. Oh, if I sacrifice myself a certain way, if I offer up a certain offering, that, that'll work. I don't want you to have a God. The Holy Spirit would say that. I don't want you looking for your next uh, bailout program. I don't want you, I don't want you to depend on anything, anyone, any idea more than me. And then, I, I don't know if you deal with this, but man, huh, should I? What do I do now? I, I was trusting in that. I thought that was the source of our, uh, that was my retirement plan. That was my, uh, that was what I was holding out for. That's how we're going to make it. I had this thing set. It's interesting about the Lord is like, that's our hoe back. And the Lord wants to take hoe back and send him off. And you're like, why would you do something like that to me? <laughs> why would you treat me that way? And so you get to verse 33. And he says, so, they travel. You know, there comes a point when you realize Hobab's not going to work out for you. And it's a, I'm going to tell you, you can work with Hobab as long as you want to, but it'll be an affliction to you. Because in your mind, whether you realize it or not, you're holding on to something more than the person of God. You're wanting something else to rescue you and build a rescue operation more than the very nature of God himself. And he wants to do it for you. And yet, if you come to the conclusion of this, and I don't know about you, but man, I know this feeling. Everything seems to assault the human soul and the human mind and tell you there's no way we're not going to make it. But it says, so they traveled. And I want you to pay attention to that. Because I know many times with my family, we were all, we've come up so many times that we can't move to the next thing 
And the Lord said, move out. I'm like, there's, there's nothing to go on, Austin. There's nothing, there's no way that I'm going to make it, Mark. I'm not going to be able to go to the next day. I don't see a path. But he says, so they traveled. I mean, if you study, if you've ever read John G. Lake, <laughs> his path to Africa. I mean, the man literally, literally has no money to get on the train. The Lord tells him to get on this train and he's going to get on a boat. He has no resources to even do it. He stands in line because the Lord told him to do it. Someone taps him on the shoulder. Says, the Lord told me to give you this. He gives him what he needs so he can go to the next place. He gets over into Africa and he comes off of whatever conveyance he had. He, I think it was a train. He comes off of it. He does. He has seven kids. He has no home. There's a lady that's sitting there waiting on him. Comes up and asks him, do you have seven kids? He said, yes. Are you called to minister here? Yes. Well, the Lord told me to prepare a house for you. Here's your house. And so they traveled. You know, I think one of the things that happens to us is everything tries to limit down on us and tell us, you can't move out on God. You can't trust Him. If you move out, you'll be left with nothing. No, you won't. I've done this so many times with my family. We have six kids, not seven, ones in heaven. And, and I'll tell you, so they traveled. They traveled from a place called the Mountain of the Lord. And they went three days' journey. What happens? The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was traveling with them. I believe this with all my heart. And you can look at this and, well, let's just, let's just look at it so you can see this. James chapter 2, verse 19. So you can see it clearly in Scripture yourself. Listen to this. Uh, a little bit 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Well, that's good. Good for you. But even the demons believe that. Well, you think that gives you a leg up because you're monotheistic and you believe in Trinity? Hey, even the demons do that. They fear and tremble after the Lord. But they, you're not like actually, you're actually not believing. You're believing intellectually is what he's getting at if that's all you believe. But would you like evidence, you empty fellow? I remember, man, I was up here. Our family's got pressure on us from every side. And the Lord tells me, go to James 2. I was like, I, I understand James 2. He said, not verse 19. And I'm like, oh, I was like, I got that respect a person's thing down, Lord. I know what you're talking about. I said, no, you don't. Go to the end of it. James 2, 19. Oh, you would like evidence. Do you know, listen to me. Sinai is a place of looking for evidence. Zion is not. When you move out and you travel out on the Lord, when you begin to move out, the Lord isn't going to give you evidence when he leads you out. He's not going to give the evidence to start out with. Faith is the title need hope for. That evidence, what? Of things not yet seen. I can't see it. 
I've told you that there's a better translation of that. Faith is the title we hope for. It's the objective proof of an unseen reality. It means that heaven is more objectively real than actually what you're looking with right now with your own eyes. Yes. Heaven is more yes. real than what yes. you're looking at with your, your own eyes right now. Yes, yes. yes. This is the, the thing in moving from Sinai to Zion is beginning to move away from seeing with your own eyes and seeing with the eyes of the Spirit. It, it's, it's telling you a whole different uh, reality. So what does he say? But you would like evidence, you empty fellow. That faith without works is useless. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son? And y'all know that story. That's no easy thing to do right there. And I can't preach that message this morning. It's not my message. But you know that the God did not give him anything to go on until that knife was up. His very own beloved child, the one whom he had waited all those years for and promised, the knife's up and nothing is there until the man makes the movement. He's got the boy tied down. He's got the, he's got the preparation for the fire to be lit. The man is ready to execute on what God has said. He's moved all the way out with faith and the works that it required. He took the step of obedience he moves to the brick edge, and the Lord sends the angel to stay in hand. Now, I know that you fear me. I'm going to make you heir of the world. It's in Romans. Oh, Abraham, I'm going to hook you up, man. Nobody likes to be pushed out to their edge. I don't care who you are. Nobody likes to come to the point of being unseen and not knowing and that you've got a word from the Lord and he says, move out on it. But God does not work in a way where he'll put evidence in front of you. It's going to follow after what heaven says. Your evidence is going to come, yes. Heaven is going to be translated into the earth because God is giving you an objective proof of an unseen reality through ascension and he's going to descend it into the now. Transfiguration AD. Back to Numbers uh, chapter 10. Watch this. Watch this. They traveled from the mountain of the Lord three days' journey. The ark of the covenant of the Lord was traveling before them three days' journey to find a resting place for them. Who was traveling before them? The ark of the covenant of the Lord. The Lord was already in process of making a way ahead of them before they were even moved out from where they were going. The cloud of the Lord is even over them. There's two different kind of clouds, guys. There's a cloud that comes from deception and a cloud that comes from the enemy. It tries to cloud your thinking so you can't see clearly. And then there's the cloud of the Lord. There's the cloud that comes down on you, and it's what heaven is saying. It's the it's this objective proof of an unseen reality. There's nothing seen in your natural world that is telling you that it's true. But there's this other realm in the spirit where we begin to behold and begin to see him, and we know that what he's saying is comes from him. The cloud of the Lord is there. 
And the ark of the Lord travels, and Moses would say, like we did this morning, rise up, Lord. Yeah. Folks, you probably experienced it in worship. I hope you did this morning. But don't come into this room if you're not intent on getting a breakthrough because we're here to rise up until that atmosphere pops. And when, we, when it doesn't, or if it doesn't, oh, you won't. God has set the mechanism of inheritance in these verses. Now, I didn't say this a couple weeks ago. But surrounding verses 35 and 36 are two nuns. These are uh, Hebrew letters, the 14th Hebrew letter. The letter nun stands for the promised inheritance. Its number is 50. Because 50 is the number of what? Jubilee. 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 50 is the number of Jubilee because 50 is the number of inheritance to release the, the debt and the trouble on the nation. Surrounding this, these two verses, they say uh, in the Hebrew that this is like a whole book. Has anybody ever heard this? I think Jamie has. I know Jamie has. We talked about it. But they're surrounding these two verses in the nine. And so this section right here is very important to understand because this is the mechanism of the inheritance of the Lord for his sons and his daughters. Like you say, I need help. I need the God to tell me how to run the fire. I need a, I need a mutual fund manager. I need this kind of manager. I need the, uh, anybody ever done the Ponzi scheme? No, you probably don't want to raise your hands. <laughs> Their Ponzi schemes came into the church too. Amway, you know, all these things. I don't remember they all were coming into the, getting to the church. Oh, if you'll just go and put your money here, you'll make a big return. It all came into the church, and God, through his word, comes in here and tells us, stop doing that. I have a way of bringing inheritance to my sons and daughters. I'm surrounding it by two nuns. I don't mean like Catholic nuns. <laughs> Or maybe if some of you've been raised by nuns, you know what I think. Well, get you straightened out. Get two nuns on. Anyways, God places the name of nun. Joshua was the son of who? None. Who brings Israel into inheritance? Joshua who? Son of what? None. None. He puts two nuns around this because, and I didn't know anything about this. The Holy Spirit literally led me to this. He said, I want to teach my people what transfiguration, ascension, and descension is. What? Ascension what? Rise up. Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat, think about it, Josiah, David. Think about the great kings of Israel. What do you see those men doing? Set forth the worship. Yep. Lead out the worship leaders. Get the song of the Lord going. What do you see every time Israel began to worship the Lord? Oh man, I feel a little Who enemies? Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Edom is attacking. Ammon is attacking. Moab is attacking. Who's Ammon? Nationalism. Who's Moab? Who's your daddy? Followlessness. Who's Edom? Get your belly first, Esau. 
Feed yourself before embracing your inheritance. It's all coming against God's people. Nationalism. Right? You understand? Yes, God said the boundaries of nations. Yes. <laughs> but nationalistic pride, he never wanted it. No. No. I mean, it's coming against Jehoshaphat. What does Jehoshaphat do? Not the fingers. The man gets down on his knees and calls forth for the worship team. <laughs> worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Rise up, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. And you feel the resistance in yourself in our worship sometimes. Anybody else in a wall like me up here? And you get your focus on yourself or somebody else in the room. And then the words like, clear it off. Get it out of your mind. Worship me. And me shall you worship. And we begin. And I, I heard it in his voice this morning, Stephen. I heard it. You heard it too. When all of a sudden, boom, the authority comes out. Shoot. Rise up, God. Rise up, oh Lord. It's an agreement with God with authority, real authority on it, real power on it, real believing courage on it. You see, the enemies want to keep us out of that courage. Yeah. He wants to get you to hedge to the edge. He wants you to stay in your Sinai-based outlook with my own eyes and nothing's going to happen. And the Lord is saying to us, no. The Lord is and the Lord has said to us, rise up. Yeah. You know, go up into the presence of the Lord. Come up to me. Yeah. Yeah. Come up into a new place with me. Yeah. It's like you've got a homo legato saying the same thing. Rise up. Why do you say rise up? The Lord has already risen. It's an agreement that he's risen. It's an agreement that he already has the victory. Yeah. It's not based on what you can do or what you can see. Zedekiah, the last king of Judah, had his eyes put out because why? Because he had based everything on what his own natural eyes can see, and God could not have him be king of Judah anymore. God never wanted you to base things off of figures and figures. Figure and figures is a feminine aspect only, and figure is a male aspect. I'm figured, and she's the figure. <laughs> And I'll tell you, when you move out with that, you feel sort of disfigured. <laughs> I feel like the handful is disfigured. I don't know what to do. And he's like, trust me, trust me, trust me. And then your voice begins to say, rise up, ascend, O Lord, ascend, O Lord, ascend, O Lord. And the Lord begins the mechanism of true inheritance. Because when there's an ascension, there's always a descension. Return, O Lord, and it says the thousand times ten thousand in Israel. What is that number? That is ten million. I don't think any of you would be upset if someone bequeathed to you today ten million. I don't know how we'd handle it, but I don't think necessarily you'd be upset about it. He said, when every time there's a rising up, there's a return. I want you to have the inheritance that I have offered you as my sons and daughters. But everything in your world is trying to tell you, like Sinai, that it is based on what you see. And I'm telling you, stop basing what your eyes see on the reality that you're living in. Yeah. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he captured captive. And he gave gifts to men. Now what is the meaning of he ascended? Listen now, except that he also descended. He descended down to the lower regions, namely the earth. He, the very one who descended, is also the one who ascended above all the heavens in order to fill all things. Listen to the text. Now, we've thought a lot about this concerning thoughtful ministry, and that is not what I want to uh, do this morning is, is go into thoughtful ministry, even though it's a legitimate thing. I, I want to just look at the text here. He ascended on high and captured captives. Why? To give gifts to men. God doesn't ascend and descend because he's wanting to be stingy or withhold from us. God ascends, but God ascends, and when we agree with his ascension, the descension is he wants to give gifts to men. The Lord is not stingy. The Lord modeled for us the way that he operates. He says, now, what is the meaning of he ascended? Except that he also descended. He goes down into the lower regions, namely the earth. He descended, is also the one who ascended into the heavens. Why? What did he do it for? To fill all things. I kind of think of it like this. That ascension is like a form. It's, it's, I, I think of it like the masculine feature that, that males, generally speaking, we form and ladies feel. Uh, I just kind of learned this myself that we'll form something and we'll come up with a, a form or an outward picture of something and then uh, ladies will come in and feel it and make it look nice because we don't really do that well with that. God, now in the human soul though, you have both male and female. Your gender is not male and female. Your gender is the gender that you have. It's either male or female. But in the soul, it's both male and female. And so in the, in the masculine is the forming, and in the feminine is the feeling. And so in ascension is the forming. It's, it's going up to, to form an objective reality of an unseen reality, an objective picture. To what? To bring in a title deed. Again, faith is a title deed hoped for. It's the objective proof of an unseen reality. And so this is forming in the objective realm. We, we know this, uh, generally speaking, the masculine feature is objective and the feminine is subjective. The masculine is generally about doing and the feminine is about being. And so this is the truth. Men relate mostly about, they shake hands and they say, what is your name? Where do you come from? Usually follows, what do you do? Who's your daddy? Where do you hail from? Or they'll say something like this. You're not from around here. <laughs> You're not like my kind of masculinity. The females will get around in 
groups and talk about the way they relate to the children, the way they relate to the character and being. It's a difference. And in God, in the soul, he wanted us to be able to ascend in the forming out of an objective truth with him, what we see in the heavens, and to bring it into the earth to fill in all things. And God made it this way for his people. The world is doing their own thing. They are eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God made you and me to eat from the tree of life. Yes. I'm not talking about what they're doing. I'm, I'm up here because this has been so convoluted with all of us in the Christian church yeah. that we have lived. We don't even know how to live. We don't know how to live because all we see is the way the world's doing everything and we think we should do it that way. And the Lord has instituted a way through his word for us to do things that's completely diametrically different than the way they do things. Yeah. Do you understand? Yes. Amen. Our way of doing things is like this. I'm going to rise up in worship. And I'm going to come in agreement with what his objective word is over my life. And I'm going to say back to him what he says to me. And when I do, and that courage rises up in my heart, and I agree with him, there's going to be a translation from heaven to the earth of what he has said to me. Because what God says, he will see. And God said, let there be what? Light. And God saw. Yes. Because you as a son and daughter were meant to say it and see. I mean, we have walked so far beneath our divine privileges, the royal family. Why? Because we needed to hear this message and quit playing games with the Lord. Yeah. We keep going back to Sinai and trying to eat from a tree of knowledge and good and evil when you are the royal family. Amen. And why wouldn't the Lord resist all of us in that? And we're like, just give me my, my little bit. I'll just take the crumbs from the master's table. I don't want to give you that. You're my son and daughter. I want to give you my character and nature. And I want to take care of what you need on the earth. I want to do both for you. I'm a benefactor. I don't build trust. And if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to the podcast, J.P. Morgan in the Clearinghouse. And I'll lay that thing out for you. God's a benefactor. He wants to give you his character. But he also wants to bless you with the natural things of this life so you can take care of what you need to take care of. What, happened? what happens when we go back to Hobab? Well, look at uh, Galatians chapter 3. Uh, you foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? Before you, as Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified, the only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing on what you had heard? Are you so foolish that you began with the Spirit and now you're trying to finish by human effort? Have you suffered so many things for nothing? Oh, that is not a pleasant thing to find out. <laughs> you may not go through this suffering all for nothing. Nobody, oh man, you talk about that will make a person really upset. Because we're like, suffering for Jesus. I'm suffering for the Lord. And the Lord's like, so what? <laughs> offense. Yeah. That's offensive. You mean I'm suffering for nothing? 
Well, listen, you are if you're not doing what you see your father doing. Yeah. Amen. You are suffering for nothing. And there's enough suffering in this world to go around. But God instituted this way that you will worship the Lord your God and only he will you worship. You will not worship idols of this land. You will not worship Hobab and his guide-based uh, theories. You will not worship someone else's ability to bail you out. You will not worship your own ability. You will go to the point that your human effort will bring you literally to nothing so that you can go across that veil into the realm of really worshiping him and let the Father work through you for you. Oh, it's the glory. It's the glory to let the Father always be working through you. Why would you want to do it another way? Oh, Carol, please don't preach this message to us. <laughs> stop trying to finish by human effort. Stop, stop surviving when you were made to thrive. Get out of survival mode. Get into thriving. Yeah. Okay. Let's just be real. Okay, the bills are due. I got things I gotta take care of. Let's just get real, okay? You, what? You think that I preach some kind of thing I don't know? Let's just get real. All this stuff is trying to tell you something different. I had a bill due 80 days ago, right? I had a bill due five days ago. I got a bill due two days from now. How are you going to take care of it, Carol? Not by human effort. He says, if you want the inheritance, rise up. He says, come and worship me first. He doesn't say, go and put your human effort into it. He says, come to me. You who are weak and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come to me, I'll give you inventions and creativity. I'll cause your situation to be way better than the situation that you're just survival mode in. I don't want you to suffer for nothing. The Lord wants you to do nothing until you see him doing something. Jesus said, I do nothing except what I want. See my father do. You want to suffer for nothing, or do you want to do nothing until you see your father doing something so you can do whatever he's revealing to you? Listen, it, it all comes down to nothing. I can do nothing of myself. You know, so much of our own hubris, which is not word for pride, doesn't like that. Abraham believed God was credited to him for righteousness. Whew. You mean that I'm in right standing and character with the Lord if I believe him and I just do what he says? Yep. That's impossible. First John 1 9, to confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And to what? Some unrighteousness. Oh. Oh. If I'm walking by faith and I'm trusting what the Lord is revealing to me, then in that way I'm righteous. Because it's accredited to you as righteousness because you're doing what he's revealed to you in that moment. What, does the enemy want you to stay in that? No, he doesn't. And now let's move into um, Hebrews chapter number 10. And I pick out from where I was last week. Now we have a context. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law possesses a what? It's a shadow. It's in good things. Listen, the law he's saying is better than lawlessness. Okay, we admit that, but the world's way of lawlessness is not good. And he's saying the shadow dimension of the law is good things. It possesses good things. But listen to, to listen to this. It is completely amazing. This is why the Lord's not into the red party or the blue party. Amen. He's into a purple family. Yeah. Amen. Because the red party, the good, and not the evil. <laughs> he, the true knowledge of good and evil, the red and the blue party. He's saying that the red party, as good as the red might be, is completely unable. Don't you tell that to the older brother. Don't you tell that to that. Don't you tell that to that capitalist entrepreneur that you're completely unable. Yeah. Don't you tell that to capitalism. Well, would this all be communist? No. Don't you tell that to capitalism. You're completely unable. Well, I don't like to hear that, though. I'll pull it up by the bootstraps. I'm a rugged individual. I mean, I'm American to the core. <laughs> I can get this thing done by my good actions and I know how to set things in order. I, I, I know how to do some stuff. He's completely unable. I mean, the Lord's going to hammer the right-based person in this thing more than anybody, even more than the left-based. Watch this. He said, um, by the sacrifices offered continually year after year to perfect anyone in worship. Right-based, right-based Legal-based righteousness, even if it's the best and you can work circles around anybody, you can make it happen. It cannot bring any kind of transformation to you in the realm of worship. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you don't want to hear about the royal family that you're in. For otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers would have been purified once and for all. They, there would be what, no further consciousness of sin. I was down in Greenville, South Carolina a couple years ago, and I walked into Starbucks down there. It's, it's right near Reedy Falls. I walk in there to get some uh, coffee, and there's like 100 people in there. And there's another preacher comes in there, and he's, I won't say what his name is, but he's uh, just real friendly, kind guy. He's got a big, like, million-person audience. And we're standing in there together, and I knew him through a mutual friend. And I said, man, how you doing? He's like, doing good. How you doing? I said, good. You know, I just trust in the Lord, follow the Lord. And he said, um, man, I'm, I'm doing good. You know, my family's doing good because they come from a pretty, you know, affluent family and things. And he said, but man, I'm struggling in the, with my, my pastor. He had a pretty large uh, Presbyterian congregation. And I said, well, what's going on? And he says, well, Struggle with Hebrews 10. I said, what, what verse? He said, you know that one on the consciousness of sin? I said, yeah. He said, man, I don't have to quit preaching. And I said, why? He said, I can't preach it. I said, why? He said, I don't believe it. I, 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 how can that be? 
I like this guy because this guy tells the truth. Yeah. I mean, he was for real. He wasn't like playing games with his text. He like loves God's word. He's like one of the most brilliant writers I've ever read. I mean, he's an excellent writer. Excellent, precise Greek, Hebrew, precise on it. I mean, laced. He's a teacher. He lays that thing out like nobody I've ever met and read. I was like a Jonathan Edmonds. And yet when he came to Hebrews 10, what I'm saying this morning, he says, I'm going to have to stop preaching. And he did. He said, because that thing seems too good to be true. I just can't see it. I can't see it in a Christian church. You know, they, they had a like, multi-million dollar budget. I mean, he's running multi-million dollar budgets. I'm like, we're running like a $50 budget. <laughs> we don't even have a budget. <laughs> okay, we don't have a budget. And I'm listening to him, and, I, and he's, a love, he's a, actually a very loving, kind, happy person. I'm like, I was thinking, this guy's got this down. He's full of joy. I'm sort of like, cheers. You know, this is not easy, man. You know, I thought it was interesting that the, that he would say something like that about evil. And I, I hear the Lord sort of like smiling. He's like, I really want to take people here. But it's almost like he can never take you here if he'd give you everything to base it upon. So with him having a multi-million dollar budget, a beautiful house, family, everything you can imagine, can't get into Hebrews 10. Can't preach it because he knows as well as I do, we should not preach something we do not believe. I am, actually, I'm not authorized to. If I preach something I don't believe, I can it don't work out very well. Or you get the fire comes <laughs> to test it like seven times. I'm like, God, don't put that in my mouth, Lord, because you know what that means. No more consciousness of sin. Hey, folks, could you imagine? Could you imagine being able to only see love and you see another person through love's eyes and you can't see what's wrong with them? Yeah. Could you imagine so much love in you that you can't see what's wrong with you? <laughs> Could you imagine that all you would see is him? Uh, oh, man. Could you imagine the glory of I am in you instead of I in you? Yeah. Could you imagine beholding the living God by love and all you see is him? That your whole entire being is so filled with the very love of God that you can't behold the sin in someone else and you can't behold, neither do I condemn you. Stop doing that. I'm not condemning you. I'm not putting, I'm not saying you're mean or you're devilish or you've got problems or what's wrong with you or it's your fault or it's my fault. I'm not stopped doing this. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, the glory of I am in us instead of I in us. The glory, the glory of what John the Baptist was saying. But even more the glory, John would say, John 3.30, listen to the difference. John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease. Plus negative. But listen to plus plus. I am. 
Listen, listen to the text. But in those sacrifices, there remained a, a sin year after year. For the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. So when he came into the world, he said this. He said, so what? He said, last week I was telling him, man, he says, I'm like, right now, I'm like, I'll put my hand in my mouth. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Don't, don't say it. Sacrifice and offering I don't desire. I said, where are you going to clean the whole Christian church out? The whole church works on sacrifice and offering. <laughs> I was like, how's the church going to ever work? It's like volunteers, sacrifice. Okay, we need volunteers. Did you help set the chairs up and do all this? You know what I mean? Sacrifice and offering. Please bring an offering. Because we can't pay the lights and the bills and everything else, and we can't do this without an offering. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. I, I was like, Lord, the whole church is operating on sacrifice and offering. How in the world is the church going to operate? Because Thursday before last, he says to me, I'm in prayer, and he says, so what? Sacrifice and offering, what? It's all what to me. It's not what I want. Listen to what he says he wants. A body. He said, a body you prepared for me. Oh, man. Oh, man, don't mess with me. Then listen to what he says. Whole burnt offerings and sin offerings you took no longer. Now he's doubling down on the offering. Don't do that. Don't double down on the offering. How are you going to make it with no offering? Don't double down on the sin offering and the burnt offering. He said, I'm going to double down on the other brother. You know, the sacrifice is the left. Social justice initiatives, communism, all that. Offerings are on the right. If you put up an offering, you put up an investment, you put up, you know what I mean? You'll get more out of it. He's doubling down on the offering. I took no delight in it. Oh, my goodness, grace alive. Don't you say this. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. Hey, you want to be free from the consciousness of sin? You want to be liberated in the sons and daughters? I took no desire in that, and I take no delight in it. And you know what? I'm just like, forget it, man. I'm going on the line for the word of the Lord. Me and my family. I'm going on the line for the Lord because I really want this message. No more consciousness of sin to hit the global church. Yeah. I want this to the Lord wants this worse than anything. And I'm starting to get where I'm like, me too. It's the me too movement. <laughs> <laughs> me too, Father. I'm tired of it. Me, 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 me. And each other. Yeah. I'm tired of everybody. Yeah. They're me. They're not nice. They're sad. They're glad. They're mad. I'm tired of it. I don't want any more consciousness of sin. I want the desire of the Lord. I want the delight of the Father. Um, listen, listen, where are you? Uh, here I am. I, I said in the 
then we would be completely. I mean, they talk about the this Oh, Jesus. Like that we would behold him like this. And then say, you did it all. Christian church will more than long ago in fear will be cast out. 
expose everything that goes on. Expose every consciousness of sin. Bring it to the basis level. Put it underneath our feet so that we would know.
she would be you. And because you know you're not you, that you is not you. And I have not really fully understood what that meant until this week. And I said, The Q is the symbol of the plus and negative. And then I was reading about nuclear fission and fusion. And they say this, that one kilogram of coal, 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 C-O-A-L, that one kilogram of uranium can produce three million times more energy than one kilogram of coal. And I want to ask you, when you think of the word coal, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? The coal mines, right? Hard work, down with the mines. That what the Lord wants to do because in uranium, when you split uranium, which is the act of fission, it turns into two positive. If you bring uranium together by a neutron, it turns into one uranium, and that's called fusion. Fusion is what we use for atomic power, and fusion is what we use for nuclear power. It's the most incredible um, power source. See, when we're giving over the prospect, we get one kilogram of coal. But when you're giving over the plus plus, and you put off the SO, the sunlight, you get three million times more potential energy or kinetic energy. Again, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm not a physicist. There's three million more times energy in a view than there is a cube. What's the word saying? As powerful as John's ministry was, and as amazing of a man as he was, he's going to have his head taken off. That he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. Why? There's three million times more power. Yes, do we need the heart and spirit of Elijah in the church? Yeah. But Elijah was given a double portion. Yes, do we need someone that says, prepare the way for the Lord is coming? Yes, but what when the Lord comes? One who says, behold the Lamb of God, the one who says, I bear witness to the light is different than the light itself. Do you see the difference? One can only bear witness by plus negative. He must increase, I must decrease. The other man is the man. And that man wants to have his full life in us. He doesn't really want us to talk about him. He wants to be in us, Christ in us, blood. This is the plus plus. Folks, we must throw off what he throws off. The so, what? With his time. 
Thank you. 